Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 30. Woo-woo. 30. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's called Women Struggle with Lust Too. I know. I wrote that title Go just figure. for you, Steve, to say. <laughs> I was like, you. you nailed it without being too awkward about it. So well, good job. I'm, yeah, okay. Cool. <laughs> You're like, we've talked about enough awkward things. That's right. On mic. I'm getting used to it. Right, Grace? <laughs> um, yes, this is the Hole in My Heart podcast. My name is Lori Krieg here with my husband, Matt. Hello. And producer Steve, yep. who I make say awkward titles <laughs> regarding this podcast. And we have a guest today. Uh, it's been fun to have all these guests. This is uh, We are with our new friend, Amy Reardon. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And Amy and I, I think we connected through the World Wide Web, as <laughs> the young folk call it, except they don't. Um, and was is that true? It is. I saw a movie that you were in. Yes. And yes. And I knew someone I thought, oh, this would really encourage her. So I sent it to her. And she said, Oh, I know all about her. This is her ministry. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I found you. Yeah. Uh, which was so exciting. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So that was the Dear Church I'm Gay um, 20 minute documentary okay. with mm-hmm. Preston. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Which, Mike, uh, what were you in, like, The Passion of the Christ, too? Just don't worry about it, honey. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's still on its way. But. Wait for Goofball <laughs> Island or actually Super Serious Island. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, okay, side note Dear Church I'm Gay is on Amazon Prime. Really? Yeah, you can like, wow. I know, I'm like waiting for it to go to Netflix. And anyway, like hardly had any part in it, but it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, and Amy, someone else simultaneously in that season, like, we're like, hey, you should check out Amy. And you guys have similar like ministries and focuses. And so I was really um, excited when I saw that you were talking about sexuality and how women mm-hmm. struggle with lust too. Um, right. And we had a similar journey. And your book just dropped today. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> and it is called Longing for Intimacy. And um, you want to just tell us about it a little like what's what's the back cover say, except maybe not read it and just let us know what it is. <laughs> um, it is partly my story, which is I have struggled with same sex attraction and I never knew what to do with that. I always mm-hmm. kept it to myself and I never told anyone and it ended up drawing me into pornography and just all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know what to do with it all. And I'm alone. I must be alone. Just like the lust issue. (laughs) I must be alone in this. And then I realized, okay, I am not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many women who deal with this. And so it's my story plus just encouragement for other women who are going through the same thing. Love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, if I can just say too, it's so exciting to have this platform, this like podcast and like this connection of people who are like, oh, I have felt like I've been a dusty corner of a shadow on a bookshelf for a long time, like you as a person. And so to like bring it out into the light, I know early on and when we started recording this podcast in aught. <laughs> 17. I love that phrasing. Um, it was, uh, we were just talking about how that's a focus, like how the world says in church world says, don't talk about this. And we're like, no, we're going to talk about it. And a lot. And with our friends and bring our friends along. And it's really cool to see how listeners are responding. And um, so thank you, Amy, for joining us in that battle for shining light where the enemy wants to say, no, you're alone and it's dark. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the question of the week, we're going to talk about every week, Amy, welcome. Uh, 
at the end of each podcast, we toss a question of the week to our listeners. And listeners, we'd love to hear from you uh, every week when we do that at the end of the podcast, because we'd love to include your your answers. Um, so you can email us at podcast at himhministries.com or to like, I don't know, comment on Instagram or something. Um, but we talk a lot about calling in general. And by we, I mean the church. And have you ever said, God, I'll never do blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll never do this or say that. And it's like, and all of a sudden you're doing it. <laughs> it's not like a sinful thing I'm talking about. Like, it's only like that's like, Ugh. yeah, it's like the God take me anywhere but there. Yeah. And then God's usually like, nope, I'm going right there. Yeah. 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 Matt, <laughs> seems like you're passionate. How about you start? Yeah. Off? Um, well, at one point when I was in college, so I was getting my youth ministry degree and I was like, God, take me anywhere other than like inner city. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, you know, after going back through school for counseling and then being taken to California where we're working. I mean, it's a small, small city, but we're working with like the, the at risk youth population. And, um, that was the one place where I'm like, God, I never, ever, ever would have thought this is where I was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. and we were there for three years and then, then kind of made our, our move back, back East to Michigan to the wonderful cold state that it is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was one of those, like, most definitely God do not take me to the city. Mm. He's like right there. (laughs) Uh, okay. So for me, uh, 25 plus years ago in college, Uh I knew of a local organization. I had a friend who worked there and I said, I, I heard some of his stories of the place and I was like, I will never work there. It was a specific place, not just like a field or a, you know. And, uh, I guess it was then probably 10, 15 years later, I was working there. I I went there, uh, and (laughs) spent 12 years working there full time. I'm still working there part time. (laughs) And yeah. And, and so that's one, the other, another job is the job I'm working at right now. Okay. I worked here. Like like podcasting with me and Lori. Uh, Not that job. (laughs) My, my, radio my disc day jockey. job. Yeah. Yes. And I, I was like, when I left there, I was uh-huh. like, I'm never going back. Yeah. And then, yeah, just, uh, five years ago I came back. So <laughs> yes, That's, very much so. Oh yeah. You're like, yeah, I get it. How about you, Amy? Well, for me, I decided early on, I was never going to tell anybody about my past. Yeah. <laughs> that was a huge thing for me. I thought I'll tell my husband and he's involved in a lot of it too. And I thought we're, we're just going to keep this between the two of us. I'm never going to tell anybody. I'm mm-hmm. a very private person by nature. Yep. Um, but then obviously I, <laughs> I wouldn't be on the podcast if I didn't start sharing. <laughs> it is definitely one of those things I thought I will never I don't want to. I don't ever want to do this. I'm not going to. And then God started prompting me, Amy, I want you to share what I'm doing mm. <laughs> in your life. So yep. I thought, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> but the grace has been there to do it. So um, I'm so thankful for that. Love it. Well, thank you. Um, for me, similarly, uh, in in this field, when we started this ministry, I was like, I really, I really don't ever want to fight with people. 
<laughs> like I don't ever want it. Like people who are affirming and they're like solid. Like I just, I mean, you go ahead, you do your thing. And I still am that way. Like I never pick fights or like try and goad people into a, a fight. But I think the nature of working in a controversial conversation is that people are not going to like you. Because really that was like the underlying mm -hmm. statement. I don't want people not mm -hmm. to like me. I just want to help people who want to be helped, which again, it's all about me. Also impossible. <laughs> so um, it's been interesting how same like the grace piece, like God's like, I'll give you grace for it and it's going to grow you. You might not like it and they might not like you ever, um, but mm -hmm. it's going to be worth it. The risk is high, but the payoff is really high too. For the kingdom. Wow. I'm not saying dollars. I'm just saying kingdom. <laughs> okay, so we're going to shift to Goofball Island, which is a time, intentional time when we take a vacation from our problems, and we're just going to work that clown sound, Steve. Okay. <laughs> we're taking a clown mobile, except yeah. now I'm just thinking of that terrible video game with like the clown that was on fire. Oh, what was it? Called? Oh, Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal. Yeah. Mm. Yep. There you go. Throw back to. Yeah, he drove the ice cream truck yeah, and his hair was on fire because oh, yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was intense stuff. He had a sweet special though. Yeah, like he did. missiles coming all out, I know. Of his, out of his ice cream truck. I Again, know. the two of you listening, you know what we're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> we're like, we see you. I see you, Twisted Metal fans. Okay. <laughs> I made a vow once that I would never talk about, talk about Twisted Metal. <laughs> oh, okay. And look, here I look, am. Here we God has such yep. a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> good. Thanks. Okay, so the reason we're taking the Twisted Metal Mobile is April Fool's Day is coming up. And when have you pulled a prank, had one pulled on you, or daydreamed, maybe, if you've never been in prank land, uh, of pulling one on someone? How <laughs> did that go? I want to start because I want to steal the one that Matt wants to say. Mm. <laughs> okay. I, I actually don't think you're stealing the one that I want to say. <gasps> oh, cause... really? Because I have a good prank from my my past that I really want to get okay. into. Okay, right. good. Well, this is one that Matt actually pulled on me. So I was traveling last year. Some, actually, I think filming the film, The Dear Church, I'm Gay. And I get back and it's like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. And Matt's like, oh, hey, Lori. Like, hey, hon. And I get in the car and I look in the back seat. And there's our framed like 1990 picture of Jesus like in the back seat. Like just, he took it off the wall, hmm. put it in the back seat. And I'm like, what's Jesus doing there? And he's like, I mean, I just thought it'd be cool to like have Jesus with us. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, hey, do you want some water? And I was like, oh, sure. Thanks. You know, you're so thirsty after getting off the plane. And right. so it's this water bottle and I start <laughs> drinking it. And I look, I'm like, this is not water. This is wine. <laughs> he turns around. He looks, he goes, what? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus did it again. <laughs> That, that is awesome. Thing. He like thought through this whole process. Yeah. And water turned to wine. And yeah. It was probably illegal also, but still funny. It, it, it probably, I wasn't drinking it though. So. No. no. But I, I had help from, from Lori's sister in, in coming up with that one. So I can't take full credit, but it was, it was, I was really excited to pick you up from the airport. It was that, so funny. That particular day. That is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, apparently my pranks have to do with cars. Um mm. I thought because, you were going to say with wine, but whatever. Yeah, no, not okay. with wine. Um, although those are probably good pranks, That's too. That's where they begin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You start there. Yeah, yeah. The, the wine the is the catalyst. No, no. Yeah. no, but okay, so in high school, I, I had this friend who um, had a notoriously kind of dirty car. They're just papers and stuff all over the back. Now, I also had a car like that, so that's kind of pot calling the kettle black mm -hmm. here. 
Um, but this particular friend, my brother and a couple other friends and I decided to buy some sardines in mustard sauce and just open the can a little bit and <laughs> shove it right under his driver's seat. Classic. In yeah. the heat of summer in, oh. in Cincinnati, which is not like incredibly hot, but still sitting in a car in the sunshine, it gets oh, yeah. hot, it gets stinky. Um, and so this was in his car and he's like, guys, my car smells so bad and I have no idea what's going on. He's like, I think I made a mistake because I left a trash bag that I told my mom I would throw in the dumpster in the car during school one day and now I can't get the smell out. And this lasts for weeks. Like wow. he could not figure out what was going on to the point where like he was getting so mad. He accused his brand new girlfriend at the time of doing something and playing a prank on he was about to like break up with his girlfriend oh my goodness before i actually told him hey bro look <laughs> under your seat and he pulls it out and it's just this like nasty oh, brown yeah. green goop at that point and it smelled awful i love it but it was weeks long and it was totally uh, worth it no doubt good one <laughs> that is really good how about steve or amy oh I'll, I'll go i um i have several pranks uh during my college days many too complex for me to, you know, unpack here. Mm. Others, I'm still 25 plus years sworn to secrecy. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. You were the prankster. There is one. We were a part of a crew that would always pull these off. So, prank and crew? Prank and crew, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> a picture with like his rolled up sleeves, like a pack of cigs. <laughs> like real tight jeans. Slicked hair. And my mullet. The grease. And your mullet. Yeah. Ooh, hey, Ooh. that makes it work, see? Steve, what? You not from Stranger Things? Yeah, oh, Steve, Steve Harrington. Harrington. Steve Harrington, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm picturing. I'm, I'm picturing more MacGyver. Oh, that oh, too. They're yeah. about the same person. Yeah. Okay, so uh, at college where we attended, there was one large classroom, kind of like an auditorium style, and it had these seats where the little uh, desk thing would slide up, you know, it was attached, oh, yeah. and the seats themselves were like bolted into the floor, and... It was like finals week, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, we're coming right down to the end. And this is like my senior year. I'm about to graduate. And a group of us uh, somehow got access to this room the night before the big final exam in that classroom. And we had we were armed with a bunch of like wrenches. And <gasps> we oh, wow. unbolted every single one of those things, turned the them chairs. 180. Yep. And so they were all facing the back of the room. And we're like, you know, it's not like the professor is going to be lecturing. He just is going to be, you know, handing out the exams. The people will be sitting in the, you know, uh, class after class taking their tests. It's just going to be weird. It's not yeah. going to, you know, but people got all up in arms, you know, and we had one member of this crew who was an underclassman and he had, I don't know, maybe he had a bunch of wrenches. So we let him in and that was a, the, that was the mistake because he Ugh. leaked it. Ugh. He went and like bragged about this great prank he did. And Tattled. it was it all traced back to us. So we had to like, you know, come in toothbrushes at the end of the day, scrub. turn them all back. And he was nowhere to be found. Like he was, yeah, he's like, sorry, oh. can't make it. And we're like, we should make you do all of them. Yes. Anyway, twice. Not bitter and about it, but against. yeah. That's awesome. He's the rat. He was the rat. The rat. Jim, let's get him. <laughs> now I'm picturing West Side Story like snap. That's right. <laughs> Who's the rat? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Amy? Well, mine is a little bit different. <laughs> it was not an intentional prank, oh. um, it, which is a little different. Yeah. I know it, it felt intentional because of my embarrassment, but 
my husband and I were in a department store once and we were near all of the exercise equipment, all the treadmills, all of that. And I saw this punching bag. One of the, I don't know if that's the right name, but one of those ones it's attached to the floor and it looks really big and heavy. And I was standing there with my husband. I thought, oh, I'm just going to joke around and hit this thing as hard as I can, knowing <laughs> it's not going to budge. And so I hit it as hard as I could, not realizing it was plastic. <laughs> yeah. and it was just a prop. Here we are around real exercise equipment. I would have thought it was real. And it went flying <laughs> into this card display and knocked over every. Thing. And I thought, oh my goodness, what did I do? And the worst part about it all is I looked around and my husband was gone. Oh no. <laughs> he ran. He was out of there. I mean, it was so embarrassing. I thought, oh my goodness, why would they put that there in the exercise equipment if it's not real? And I thought, I got to get out of here too. <laughs> oh man. But I felt like it was a prank from the department store. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking crew out. No. Steve's hiding yeah. in the corner. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we emptied all the sand out of that one. Oh yeah, that was the year the prank crew uh, went yeah. on the road. <laughs> Not right. Oh, Don't awesome. do that, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's I always awesome. love Goopball. I just smile to my face. Yep. All right, well, let's get to the heart of the matter where we are talking about how women struggle with lust too. And I was in an email correspondence today with um, some guys who've written some helpful resources for other guys and and women too who wrestle with lust but there's not a lot of like women who've written things about lust and and have brought that into specifically church circles um so amy i'm super grateful for your book and for your story and so because the purpose of this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day, specifically in your areas of, of your story and your struggles, um, can you share a little bit about how the gospel was first good news for you and like how you see that now? Yes. Um, I originally gave my life to Christ when I was 25. Oh, wow. A little older. Yeah. I was a little older. I even grew up in church. I went hmm. to church every Sunday growing up, but when I was 25... I realized that I needed to give my life to him. I just didn't realize there was anything more than going to church and wow. wearing nice clothes on Sundays and all of that stuff. Totally. But, um, I gave my life to him when I was 25 and just really since then, I mean, I'm 44 mm. now, so it's been several years, but over the years, just more and more, I've realized how much how much I need him more. It feels like even more today than then. I guess I'm just more aware of it. But mm. just as someone to forgive me again for whatever I did and someone that I can lean on to and have that intimacy with um, that I can't find the depth of that with anybody else. It's just a never-ending good news yes. for me for, for so many reasons. Mm. Thank you for that. Can you share too, like, uh, just what has been your journey, this whole theme of women struggling with lust? Like, what's been your journey with that? Well, with my journey, I, when I was a teenager, I dabbled in porn a little bit mm -hmm. as an older teenager, but it never really stuck with me until later. I got married, and after... It was right after I had my son, actually. Hmm. I got involved in pornography again, but this time it did stick. And 
I didn't know what to do. My husband and I were very involved in our church, and I thought, I am the only woman dealing with this. And I was looking at lesbian porn, so I felt even more odd than anybody else at Mm -hmm. the time. And I didn't know who to tell. And I finally told my husband it took me quite a while to tell him. But once I did, then we went to talk to my pastors. And even after I stopped looking at the porn, I still struggled with the fantasy life. Mm -hmm. I have a very good imagination, which can be used for good or bad. (laughs) And I struggled with that for years after I stopped looking at the porn. Um, So that's, that has been really a good part of my, my journey. Yeah. If, if I can ask, I mean, and you sure. don't have to share this if you don't want, but um, how did how did your husband respond? At, you know, when you when you came forward to him, which which was a, a major act of courage, um, you know. But obviously, you went and talked to the pastor. But on on, a, on an emotional standpoint, like was he was he understanding, or was it was it like kind of a deer in headlights look? Like how did how did he react to that? Well, I actually ended up writing it down on a piece of paper for him because I didn't know how to say those words out loud. And so I gave him, he had come back home from somewhere and I handed him the note and I wrote, I've been looking at pornography and not the men, but at the women. And he was kind of the deer in the headlights Mm -hmm. um, person. And he didn't say anything at first. And he actually ended up leaving for part of the day after that. And he eventually came back that same day and just really shocked me with the grace and the mercy Mm. that he offered me. He said he talked to God. God, what do I do? Do I leave? What do I do? And God said, love her like Mm. I do, Mm -hmm. Um, which you would think would be very welcomed on my end, but I felt like, shouldn't I be punished? (laughs) Like, that's really how I felt. Like, shouldn't you, I deserve some sort of punishment for this. So that was actually my reaction. But Mm -hmm. um, we had a lot, obviously, a lot to work through after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I ask too, was it more the like type of pornography, like the same sex attraction piece? Like, had you, or was it pornography at all? It was the type of pornography. That's what he had said. He he said, I can't compete with that. I can't do anything. This is not mm-hmm. who I am at all. So yeah, he was very threatened yeah. by that. Yeah. How have you guys worked through that? Well, just one step at a time. We had to rebuild a lot of trust. Um, it was just a continual rebuilding. I We had gotten Covenant Eyes on our computer mm-hmm. and he, I made him my accountability partner. So he was able to see everything that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an iPhone at the time. So mm-hmm. that, that helped him build some of that trust back. It helped me see my heart because once you leave the house, there's no, you know, there's no one tracking my thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one can see my thoughts. So that helped me give an idea of, okay, this is, this is what's going on in my heart. Mm-hmm. So we, I was very, and, and still am, very transparent with him. If I have a rough day or just something happens, I'll, I have been very transparent with him, and th- that has actually worked 
pretty well between the two of us. Hmm. And what to have you discovered in that whole heart place? Like we talk here on the podcast a lot, like it's not even necessarily what you're running to, but it's the reason you run. And so like it starts in the heart and I'm, I'm assuming from the the title of your book, I can't wait to read it. Um, (laughs) that it's, it's, there's a deeper need than this sexuality piece and this sexual desire. Um, and if that's, if you've discovered that yourself, what was that discovery like? Oh, most definitely. It was actually a couple years into everything. I was on a walk with my friend and we were talking about pornography, same-sex attraction, all of that. She was really one of the only friends that I was able to talk to in that way. Mm -hmm. And she said, Amy, God created you for intimacy. And I thought, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because to me, intimacy meant sex. I didn't realize there was a difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And that started this whole thing with God showing me what I was really craving and wanting was intimacy, not sex. And that really surprised me at first. And so at first I thought, okay, this is what I'm supposed to have with Kevin. Let's focus on having this with him. And God started showing me, no, no, (laughs) Hmm. that I needed to build that with God before I had that with anybody else. He was, he's the only one who can fulfill that place in my heart. And, And again, at first I thought, this is weird. My, the need I have feels like a sexual need. How in the world could God fill that. Mm. But again, it had nothing really had nothing to do with that in the end, which was so surprising (laughs) to me. Um, yeah, but that, yeah, the need was intimacy. Oh man. Well, so let's, thank you for sharing that. I know we can all relate to that at this level and anyone, (laughs) anyone listening who wrestles with anything. So at a macro level thinking about, and I'm really grateful just by the way, this whole idea of this podcast came from a listener and she's like, can you please talk about women and lust? So thank you listener. I'm not going to say your name, but thank you for asking us. And yes. So I'm really glad about that. So at this macro level, I guess just what is the difference between men and women who wrestle with lust and why is there such like so much for men and very little for women when the statistics are one in three visitors to adult websites are women and between 17 and I've heard even up to like 40% of women, depending on the age demographic are Mm -hmm. actively engaged in some sort of compulsion or addiction to pornography. So if the statistics are increasing also like what's the difference and why is there such a difference specifically for resources? Well, I think, One of the differences is that for women, it can not all the time, but a lot of the time be more emotionally or relationally based um, that they're searching for and kind of coming from a desire to be pursued or sought after by someone. Another, Another thing that's huge and part of the reason why I think there's not as many resources is the shame factor, the, I know that men deal with shame as well, but the shame that women deal with concerning lust, pornography, anything like that, we're, we're told it even indirectly that it's a man's problem. This Mm -hmm. is a man's issue. So Mm -hmm. those of us who have dealt with that think, okay, I'm dealing with a man's issue. (laughs) So what does, what else does that say about me? I already feel like a freak and now I feel like more of a freak. And, um, the resources 
that I have noticed a lot of for women come from women who have been through this and decide, okay, I didn't have anything. Now I want to (laughs) give something to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely the shame factor is a a big difference because we're told, no, you're a woman, you don't deal with this. But yes, we do. A lot of women deal with this. And even if it's not directly pornography, like I like to think through like, okay, what's sexual brokenness look like? Because I'll get in conversations with women. I'm like, we're all sexually broken. They're like, no, I'm not. I'm like, yes, you are. Like if you have ever lusted after someone or if you have ever used sex as like a um, like a tool to like get a what you want, chip, a bargaining yeah. chip or mm-hmm. like just knowing like I'm just going to move my body just like this. So somebody looks at me like that, like that's brokenness. That's yeah. not designed. If Jesus wouldn't do it, which is just awkward thinking of him doing that. If Jesus wouldn't do it, it's sin. Uh, and it's, it's brokenness because of the fall. But man, what you said about like, because this is a man's conversation, you know, you hear that so much, like porn and pancakes. And I know we've talked about that, like, which is a benefit, you know, for guys, like, let's just talk about it, guys. Let's just have breakfast and chat. But there's not porn and pancakes for women. (laughs) You know, there's not... Mm -hmm. Would that be porn and crepes? Sorry, I'm, I'm getting back <laughs> oh, into Goofball Island. Oh, my word, gender stereotyping much. <laughs> anyway, but I remember like when I was coming forward with my own wrestling with lust, like guys would be like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. And I'm like, I don't want you to get that. I don't want right. to be in your club. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just coming from a, a counselor who, I mean, I have worked with, with men and women. It's, it's, it's really refreshing Honestly, as, as someone who has personally struggled with, with pornography, when when there is a woman out there who's like, yeah, me too, hmm. and is, is really moving toward like, okay, let's not not make it like acceptable or, or anything, but to remove the stigma of it. Um, hmm. Because when you have such shame and, and that fosters an isolation, it's just going to leave people more and more entrenched into that you know, into the behavior, which they're like, I can never get out of this. Like, I can't imagine. I know the fear that I had coming clean to Lori with a man's issue, quote unquote, you know, I can't imagine the the fear that you would have had walking up to your husband, mm-hmm. you know, with what was perceived as a man's issue and, and mm-hmm. feeling like just an incredible pull to just shut it down and to stay silent and fight it on your own because there weren't, there haven't been tools out there. And so like the, the work that you're doing, the, the work that you're a part of is just, it's so needed. So I want to talk a little bit about solutions and then I, I still have like more questions I could ask about your story, but what, what are some things that you need to live well? So here you were in this place and you had like a friend that you're talking to, you're still walking with building trust with your husband. Like what were the tools that God kept putting in your toolbox that helped you, I don't, to live well. And what, what do you like to teach other women in this like living well place with your version of broken sexuality? Well, I think I mentioned part of this earlier, but I, I really have learned that I need to be able to live in transparency (laughs) with people, one or two people. That's really it for me. My, it's usually my husband and one of my friends or two of my friends. Right. Mm -hmm. And I need to be able to know that I can tell them what I'm going through. No, they can't fix it. I know you can't fix it, but I need to be able to, to talk. And 
just to let people know what's going on with me, what's going mm-hmm. on in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I also need time alone. I'm an introvert. <laughs> yeah. And I've learned if I don't get that time like in the summer, my kids are home and I'm home with them. And it's, it's particularly um, more difficult for me in the summertime because I feel like I'm never alone. So I have to find those times to, mm-hmm. to recharge or I start to get drained and yeah. that never leads me in a good direction. But, mm-hmm. and just really one of the biggest things for me has been to know that I can be transparent with God. Mm-hmm. I never knew that before. I, mm-hmm. I grew up in a family. We didn't talk really much about anything we were going through. And I assumed God was the same way that he mm-hmm. just knew, okay, Amy, you shouldn't be doing this. Talk to me when things are better. Wow. <laughs> I think yeah. that's how I saw God. And I started to realize he wanted me to come to him when I was tempted. I'd start coming to him saying, okay, God, I'm tempted to look at porn right now. Please help me. Yeah. Or And just verbalize that and realize he's not shaking his finger at me. He's saying, thank you for coming to me. Let me help you. So that has been huge in, in any situation in my life. So appreciate that. What? <laughs> so I have women who come to me and they're like, mm. The phrasing they use is, well, I got to do this. It's like, well, there's this overwhelming urge inside and I know this like cyclical nature inside of me. And so I just got to do it and then I'll like be good for a little while. Like when the temptation gets super high, literally that's, they see it as their only out is to engage in whatever, if it's fantasy, if it's any, any myriad specifically related to sexual brokenness. So what do you do in that moment? You just mentioned one thing, and I, I have a few things I wrote down too, because I'm, I'm a woman who struggles with lust. Uh, but what do you do when you're feeling especially vulnerable? I, of course, it depends where I am and what's going on, but I just do my best to change my scenery. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of simple, maybe no. not so simple, but I have to make myself do that if if I'm at home by myself, I go somewhere Yeah. or I call right. someone or sometimes even praying. I, I mean, I always pray about it, but sometimes I still think, okay, I need to go somewhere or call someone and just not even, t- sometimes I don't even tell them. It's just, okay, how's your day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just changing whatever I'm going through yeah. to talk about something else. And that really yeah. has, has worked for me. Yeah, well, and that and that touches back to to what you said earlier about how a lot of it can can stem out of this like desire to be pursued or seen, um, you know, and to be pursued or seen or known on even a friendship level can can start to meet some of that craving that we automatically claim to turn as as sexual, you know, but it's being met in a in a just a a, a friendship. You know, and, and so definitely. some of that even drive for it can can start to be like, okay, I don't have this insatiable urge to be seen now that I've been seen in an appropriate way. And it's yes. not even even in a friendship because you think about single people. I'm always like, okay, if, if it's true in marriage, it's also true for single people. Mm-hmm. And so it, mostly. And so I think about, okay, so everyone is born sexual. We're all born with broken sexuality. So this whole, what you said, Amy, so beautifully, like this longing for intimacy, intimacy equal sign cross through it. Sex does not equal sex. And so it's not even like, even with your friends, it's like, find that being known Mm -hmm. with your friendships, 
with your spiritual family, with your having fun and caring for yourself. There's something so sweet about like what you just said, like, okay, how, how can I care for the real needs in my heart? So I even like wrote some things down. Like sometimes I just need movie, movie and chips and a glass of wine, like being kind to me. I drive myself so hard as far as like at work. And, and like you said, I can have these misperceptions of God. Like he's just ready to like backhand me in my worst moments. That's how I feel like do better, Lori, do more. And I'm like, no, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not capital G God. That's a little G God. That's an image I have of him. How does he actually feel about me? And when I treat myself as tenderly as the father treats me, as Jesus treats me, all of a sudden my like drive to go be seen somewhere is like severely diminished. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate wow. with you? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> so how can women journey alongside other women who are struggling with lust? Like, so if you know, you know, as a friend, like you had a friend who was great to you. A, I guess that's to be the first question. How do you know who's safe? I could probably ask that question a thousand times to every single guest on here. How do you know who's safe? And then two, like, how can you be a friend who is safe? Like to be walk journey alongside your friends. Well, someone who I would say is safe is someone who is a mature Christian who is known for being trustworthy and compassionate and really I've only known two people over the years that I've really talked to about most of this stuff to different women, and neither of them have ever struggled with pornography or any major lust issues. And so I realized that does not have to be a requirement of someone who is safe, (laughs) because I was always looking for someone who had struggled with that, because it does help, but it's not absolutely necessary. And One thing that I tell people to know if someone's safe, if you're not sure, tell them a little bit of your story and Mm. see how they react because you'll know, you'll know whether you should tell them more or maybe Mm. not. (laughs) Some people want to help, but they just don't know how and they're very uncomfortable. Uh, So that sometimes you'll know just telling them a little bit. And can I real quick interrupt you? Sure. That first one that you said, as far as like, even if they haven't struggled with lust or like a major lust uh, issue, I used to think that was a requirement too. A requirement though, is that they see their minor sins, quote unquote, as the same level as yours. So that for me is a critical piece is that if I think if they're wrestling with pride, they take just as seriously as I do my wrestling with lust. That to me is the make it or break it is how are you viewing me? Are we eye level or am I like worse than you? Right. Because those of us who struggle with that often feel like. Okay, my I'm worse than you. Because and we've the been shame treated again. with like, that. Yeah. We've been treated that yes. way. It has yes. been that way. To call the elephant in the room, it has been viewed as the worst mm. sin, sin type, and especially as women. So I'll I'll just call the elephant out in the room. <laughs> um, it's, it's true. Been viewed that way, but we don't have to treat ourselves that way, and therefore we can change the culture of our churches by standing in strength. Okay. But I totally yes. interrupted you. You're about to hit us with number three for how to look for safe people and, and how to journey with someone. Yes. And that really kind of leads into what I was going to say about how to journey with women who are going through this is to look at our own hearts and realize, okay, what am I 
struggling with? What does my heart look like? Because even if I'm not struggling with lust for a period of time and I'm talking to someone who does, there's other things going on in my heart (laughs) that I need to take a look at and be aware of. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we're aware of our own hearts, we can hear what's going on with someone else and not judge them or try to fix them or, or anything like that. I think just even encouraging them to let them know, okay, you are not alone. Yeah. You're yeah. not alone in this. Even if you don't hear any other women talking about it, <laughs> you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just listening to them, yeah. I think is a, a big deal. Just listening because once they find someone to talk to, many times it could be the first person that they talk to. And there's a lot that they might maybe not right away, but a lot on their heart to share. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, especially with the shame that's, that's been over this whole, this whole topic for, for, well, as long as I've ever been around, um, you know, the fact that they're coming to you, the fact that they're, they're coming in and being so vulnerable, you know, if, if we know the, the sin in our own heart and this, we don't have this like air of superiority, like the more that we know our own brokenness, the more we can empathize with other people. And, right. you know, for, for someone who has probably heard all the statements and then also like not needed to have it repeated, like the shame is something that, you know, we can put on ourselves yeah. very easily. Um, you know, you don't need someone to tell you, oh, that's awful. Like you're, you, you are automatically Check. think yeah. that like, you know, and so for someone who, when you're coming to them and saying like, look, this is, this is the depth of my shame and brokenness. Like for someone to meet you there with can, and I'm thinking kind of, you know, how Amber, Lori, your friend yeah, responded, responded to you when you came forward with, with your same sex attraction. And, and she just like had this response of, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and even if, mm. I don't understand like on a personal level, like I've never experienced that same thing. I want to walk with you. I still hold you in high esteem. I still care about you deeply. I'm going to add one more too. And this one has been a recent one for me, but even being an advocate. So if you want to be my friend, I had recently a situation where I was getting uh, pretty marginalized and it wasn't in like a, Oh, poor Lori way. Like it was pretty unrighteous, just bad stuff going on. And I, we had some close friends who were like, not okay. Straight as the day is long. (laughs) They were like, they not only just stood up for me. They went to like leaders in this situation and stood up for me. And that meant Mm. so Mm. much. It was like such, because it's a battle I'm fighting. It's a podcast I'm speaking on. It's a thing. But even even if you're not on a podcast or anything, but to have your friends not only have the quiet advocacy for you, like, I'm a, I got your back, but like the public, like, I am going to take some heat for you. I am mm-hmm. going to stand with you. And it's not in this bitter us versus them way. It's a, this is my friend who's running after Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus who got in front of the woman who people were throwing stones at her and saved her life. I'm going to stand in front of those stones so that I'll get hit so they don't get hit because the enemy's pelting them all day long and I'm going to take a couple. Mm, That's invaluable. (laughs) Yes. Well, this 
was a really beautiful podcast. Like I said, when I was writing up some of the show notes beforehand, so I was like, I think we could take this a hundred different directions. And I think we're going to need to follow it up with more conversations specifically regarding women and sexuality. And so, man, I keep waiting for us to be like done with all the conversations <laughs> when it comes to the gospel and sexuality and like how we can love people. But it's like, it is, it's so much, there's so much. And so Amy, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, conversation and for your work in furthering the gospel specifically in this area. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Quick, quick follow-up and personal note question. Yeah. Where, where can we get your book? It is on Amazon. Perfect. That's <laughs> all I needed to hear. Longing for okay. intimacy. And I will put on the, um, on our, uh, What's it called? Website. There's the word. <laughs> the World Wide Web. <laughs> Bring it back home. The World Wide Web. Uh, I will put like a lot of your contact information if people want to reach out to you and some of those links to those articles on Covenant Eyes, which is really such a great resource, again, mm. for that accountability piece. But we know it all goes back to the heart. So thank you for talking about the heart and talking about the practical with us today, Amy. Um, we so appreciate you. And so yeah, we're going to hit up the question of the week next week. We're actually having our, our boy, my boy, and I was spelling that in my head with B-O-I-I-I, just so you know, uh, our friend Branson Parlor, and we're going to talk about like, how can we talk about sexuality with our kids? He's got a gaggle of them, like five or something. And so I just, after the last time he was on, we we're like, what can we, is there another place that we can explore? And so the question of the week then is when did you first learn about Jesus as a kid? And how did you first, I have this question now with, with our friends who are married and have kids. Um, like, how do you talk about this whole Jesus thing with kids? Like, when do you introduce it? It's kind of hard <laughs> recognizing mm -hmm. big theological concepts, little kids. It's a lot. So that'll be a fun question of the week. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, just email us at podcast at HIMHministries.com or just find us at the website. There's the word now. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast again, or maybe for the first time. Hey, if you want to subscribe, you can do so in Google Play and uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, a couple other uh, platforms as well. All the links are on the podcast page at himhministries.com. Thanks also for spreading the word, telling your friends about the podcast. Uh, by the way, your favorable ratings and reviews uh, will help us reach more listeners, so keep that in mind. I want to thank today's guest, Amy Reardon. Her book, Longing for Intimacy, brand new. It's available now. And uh, like Lori said, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at himhministries.com. We'll see you next week.